Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 84 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Hi, Tess. Hi, Allie. <laughs> I'm wondering, as we ponder the evolution evolving of Jen and Millie, will we retitle? I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. I believe that your context would like to stay probably in the title. If the stars align, you'll let me get rid of that bitmoji and the music. However, I do think Jenna, I just had a conversation about this this weekend about generational differences and it's been coming up a lot more lately okay. because I'm hearing, I'm hearing the need and the desire for people to be honored in their why, which I thought we could talk about a little bit today. Okay. Why people show up to work is not the same generationally, I don't believe. Mm. We talked about this quite a few times here, but I've really witnessed it and heard that. I also wanted us to reflect back on, these are questions that we have talked about many moons ago here. The who are you? What do you love? What do you need? and the best way that you can be recognized. I thought those would be some great things to ponder. But what we found in the green room is that the overall theme going into today is dance. 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 <laughs> and you know, with my word of the year, this is very, very fitting. I have not shown you yet, and don't think that this would be appropriate to share on the Jen and Millie Instagram page, but I did dress up for Motown and Mimosas to an extent of which I have not dressed up, I don't think for anything in a long mm -hmm. time. And it was ridiculously fun. And you just could not get me to quit dancing. Yeah. The second I put that little number on, I'm, I was just in a completely different um, part of me, mm -hmm. definitely honoring the muse, definitely honoring my inner child sort of self. I, yeah took many, many years of dance and used to dance a lot. And then somewhere along the way, I stopped dancing. Mm. And yesterday, you you couldn't get me to quit. What I looked around and witnessed is that other people weren't. We were the only ones. And we had people come up to us and say things like, I really want to dance with you. I really wish I could, but my group is not like that. Or... I'd be right out there with you if I wasn't with this group of people. We had a lady come up to us at another venue and say, I don't even know you, but I want to be friends with you. And I'm having a birthday party um, a couple Fridays from now. And will you please come? Oh my Here's gosh, where it seriously? will be. And will you please dress like this? <laughs> so we, we talked mm -hmm. um, as a friend group how much fun it was, but also the way that people respond yeah. to – when you don't know why someone is showing up the way they're showing up. Mm. There's a lot of staring, a lot of questioning. And then I kept thinking that I needed to explain. So I'm going to back up and share that uh, yesterday we celebrated my friend Kim's birthday with Motown and Mimosas at a place called Monkey Barrel. It's a music venue in Denver. I'd been wanting to go for quite some time, but Kim loves all things Motown. So we decided to really do it up and mm -hmm. get lots of sparkly attire, um, wear beautiful fur, um, do our, do our hair, do our makeup, just go all out. And it was really a, a great time, a fun time, met new people, had a great experience. But the theme that I walked away with is I wish people didn't have a reason not to dance. Mm. I don't, and I see that in my younger, not younger, former. I see that in former me. And that's too bad. Because yeah. I missed out on a lot of times that I should have been dancing. Yeah. And I danced like no one was watching, knowing there were lots of people watching. Yeah, that's awesome. Fully in. And I know that you had a yes. similar theme for your weekend. Yes. Um, so... This weekend was the annual Red Tent Gathering, um, which is the name for Starman Family Women's Weekend, um, but because my family is creative and ostentatious and loves a good party, um, they themed it, and so it's based on the ancient cultural practice of when 
women would be sequestered while they were menstruating. And the place that women would be, you know, told to go is called the red tent right and so it was all of and then all about this idea from this book that they all read growing up right about how men would like not know what happens in the red tent but also like consequently when women would gather together you can laugh it's kind of a funny thing but you can um but when women would gather together like there's magic and there's beauty and there's like so much like synergy right when women have the chance to get together so anyway it was like all the women wanting to get together so everything was themed red we got these little gift baskets that had like all this red stuff in it matching glasses with like find your joy in red on the side like sunglasses like it was all themed this right and then it was a running joke of whenever and like conversation would get like a little borderline inappropriate like oh you know it's just the red tent what happens in the red tent stays in the red tent kind of thing but anyway so this is what it was called and my family being a family of all teachers i've shared about sermon family christmases on the podcast before but it um you know the whole thing was themed and planned and you know it was like this time on this day we have these specialty donuts from this local shop in you know was one of my aunts hosted it so it was about an hour and a half outside of my hometown in a bluffs in a smaller city and um, a smaller town in minnesota and so like specialty donuts at this time and then we had um you know gathering together for this at this time we had the salad bar here we had this type of conversation here we had um uh, a, a specific game that we had set to play here we had a craft like we always do right we we painted eggs we each got our own egg you know <laughs> and then you got to paint your egg right this beautiful whole women's theme right beautiful um but anyway i painted my black and made a joke about you know um death or fertility you know so anyway no it's just a joke my grandma had a riot out of it but anyway okay so you know this whole running joke about women's weekend but anyway so one of the planned activities because we we represented three generations and they're now like four generations in my family but the two in the fourth generation are both boys and so there's three generations of women in my family and so we had an intergenerational dance party and so we the the dj my aunt meg um had queued up like a set of songs from the 50s 40s 50s 60s for my grandma um then the 70s 80s 90s for all of the next generation and then late 90s early 2000s 2010s for all of us granddaughters and so anyway so we rotate we do a set of the the oldies songs a set of 80s songs and then a set of 2000 songs you know and rotate between and it was just so fun and we had everyone kind of taught and other people like the dance moves that would go to it so we learned how to do the twist and um we you know were reminded how to do that we did um the banana we did the um, you know, all of these, like, we we polka'd for a bit, right? My grandma's teaching Fun. us these things, or we're looking them up. And then we did the electric slide and the... Um, the vine the vine thing and um a couple of things from like the 70s 80s and then yeah we did um the cupid shuffle and some things that are like more my generation right so anyway it was just like it was so much fun and then of course like partway through somebody rips out the costume box at my aunt's house so we did go also full on out and almost everyone had a hair scrunchie and we had some leg warmers and so it was just like one of those yeah it was it was it was way, way, way too fun. Um, I had an awesome, awesome weekend. So it's the first annual Red Tent. And so they've done Women's Weekends before, but generally it's grandma and daughters and daughter-in-law. Um, but now us granddaughters are being invited into it. And so I was thinking with with my move, this might be the one that I'm really able to go to. So um, so I was like, I'm going to make it work, even though I'm like headed to my master's graduation on Wednesday. I have 48 hours of a turnaround in Omaha before heading to my next, um, my next event. I'm like, life is busy again. Um, so anyway, but I'm like, I'm going to make it work because I'll probably just get to go home for Christmas probably in the future. Um, so yeah, anyway, but we did. Um, the dancing is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I just realized that the crew that was with me is one of my first dance teachers. Kim's mom was one of my first dance wow. teachers. And then Abby was my daughter's dance teacher. So the dance can, yes, the dance connection is, is, um, very apparent. I do think that for me to hear about that, and I've always been, I've always been jealous of people who do things like that. 
And then recently I've realized, why aren't you doing it? Mm-hmm. So to pull this together, Abby and I got to spend some time searching for the perfect outfits, really trying to to get everyone excited about it. Kept it a surprise that Kim's mom was coming. And then um, when everybody arrived Sunday morning, I this is kind of a harken back to another mom in our life. When we were growing up, our friend Heidi's mom, Shelly, would make us recreate moments so that she could video cam them. Mm-hmm. So if we walked out the door on the way to homecoming, she'd be like, wait, 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 go back. Go back. Go back and do it again. And so I made the girls come in the front do- um, front door of my apartment again to their own kind of like runway. Turned up my um, Motown records really loud and then had them each uh, come in and uh, model to the camera. Oh and it God. is one of my favorite videos ever. It was a fantastic time. It was just a great reminder that... Um, that kind of thing is important and I can orchestrate that. So our next yeah. theme is going to be track suits, like the eighties track suits. Like we're talking magenta with the leopard print, um, nylon looking pantsuits. We think that that would be the best. May not garner the same kind of attention that we received on Sunday it might be different, but definitely um, still fun. So we are excited about that. I love it. I love it. So I think that theme parties and theme events mm-hmm. are something that I can remember that I can orchestrate. It's yeah. reminds me a lot of what I've been thinking about lately, that I can be the change that I seek. I can be and represent what I might need yeah. instead of assuming that someone else is going to do that for me. And I think in the space of independence that I'm in now, that's a mm-hmm. great reminder, but that's also right. knowing where to ask for help. This morning, I mentioned this in the green room. This morning I woke in a dream to the sound of a knocking at the door. And this happens to me often. It's so clear, in fact, that I think someone is at the door. And I've had this metaphor about this knocking at the door for a long time, and I can't believe I haven't shared it on here. And if I have, then stop me, and then we'll, you know, go back and I have not delete heard this. It. I don't remember about, about it. A knocking at the so door. when when my kids were little, and I was under stress and I couldn't sleep, before I learned how to name vegetables and fruits alphabetically, which also helps me sleep, when I couldn't rest my brain, I would kind of go into a zone of of just peacefulness, like what kinds of images made me feel at peace. Mm -hmm. And an image that made me feel at peace was me by myself chopping peppers in a kitchen island where I have this beautiful, beautiful view. And usually it was the ocean, but it was always water. And I had a beautiful view, (laughs) chopping peppers, glass of red wine, records, music. And I had this, that would calm me. It would just put me to sleep. Mm-hmm. So that was when the kids were little and I was stressed or if I was worried about things or forever. That's been kind of my go-to peaceful place. And recently I was standing here chopping peppers, looking out oh, at the mountains oh, and, stop. and realized you, that, that this you, I'm in it. You made your peaceful place. So, but the second piece to this image that I had when the kids were little, and like I said, for years, there was always a knock at the door Mm. and the knock at the door when I would go to open the door tend would tend to be somebody who had created some of the stress in my life or who I was wishing would show up for me. So that knock at the doors, um, sometimes was lost love. Sometimes it was, um, Someone who had pissed me off, who wanted to come say they were sorry. Sometimes it was someone that I missed. Sometimes it was someone that I was longing to come looking for me. So then that knock at the door, I would go to the door and then I would, in my mind, have this image of who I wanted to or who I wished would show up. And I've I've had that image for a long, long time. I think it kind of goes back to being adopted. I think there's there's a whole there's a gazillion layers of this, mm-hmm. um, 
that point to a great fear of being abandoned. Mm, And so recently I had this moment, you know, where I'm, I'm chopping peppers at my kitchen Island, looking out onto the lake and the mountains and my beautiful view. And I have a glass of red wine and my record players going. And I just realized I'm like, I am in the image. Oh my gosh. And what dawned on me, Tess, is I never realized that the knock at the door might be me. Like me coming home to me, me finding my place. Wow. So this, wow. so this, this image shows up a lot. This in in my dreams, and in a lot of different things. So this morning it was so loud. It, it woke me, and I, I have like this debate: Is it really the door, <laughs> or am I coming out of a dream? So I got up and I went to the door. No one there. Yeah. This happened recently, about half a dozen times, probably within the last two months. Has anyone and, ever been at the door? No. Now, be funny if it nope. be funny if we would, right? Or if there'd be I don't know. Like, oh, that's true. We did have them. Yes, yeah. once there was someone at the door and I happened to be on Facebook Live and thank you very much. Just a second did not go um did not go too far. Mm-hmm. But there have been a couple times where I haven't been asleep and I swore that I heard it. Mm. And so this kind of leads me to and, and tying this all back in, I'm realizing that I can do the things that I need. I can show up for myself. Yeah. I can be the one knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think the metaphor is like inner self is reminding me that I'm out of alignment. Mm-hmm. When I have those dreams, it's like inner me values me, well-being me, me at my yeah. core yeah. is knocking at the door to remind me that I'm out of alignment. And recently I've had some of those moments where I've just have felt like this isn't honoring to my values. This isn't yeah. who I am and I need to get realigned. So I went back to the questions that we have asked many times at our Gallup Strengths Day with our, mm-hmm. our program coordinators. I think one of their favorite activities is to tell your talent story. Who are you? What do you love? What do you need? Yeah. And then the bonus question of what's the best way that you can be recognized or supported? And I brought these questions up recently with someone that I was was chatting with. So I thought it might be fun for us to right now, where we are right now, mm-hmm. to answer these questions. I know we've answered them here before, but to answer them again. Who are you? What do you love? What do you need? And where you can tie in your strengths, where you can tie in your generational perspective, where you can tie in the moment, the season, the stage that you're in. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about doing that today, Tess? That was not much notice. It was not much notice, but I'm okay as long as you go first. All right. I thought you might say that. <laughs> so I'm not prepared. However, I will. I will go ahead. So what you, you all can only hear us. You can't see us. We do better when we see one another. We have never recorded this without not seeing one another. Mm-hmm. And initially, when we first started Jen and Millie, we were actually video. Um, mm-hmm. So not only could we see each other, but could watch it later. Yep. Yes. Yep. Now we um, connect through Zoom mm-hmm. and so we can see one another. Yep. I was laughing so hard at the beginning of this that I almost told her to time out pause because she did not give me a heads up on what she was going to say. I was not prepared for what the red tent represented. Oh. I was not prepared. So I'm laughing and I'm trying to keep it together. You don't have to keep it together. No, of course I don't have to keep it together. But I thought, okay, if I throw something like that at you, like you're not prepared for, and however you laugh, when you really laugh, mm-hmm. it's solid. So, all right. Who are you? What do you love? What do you need? And what's the best way to be recognized? I have done zero prep on this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and then, all right, let's do it. Who am I? I am a mom, a sister, Aunt Allie, Auntie Allison. I'm newly named Auntie Allison by my newly adopted six, four, and four fans. Um, They don't call me Aunt Allie. They call me Auntie Allison. I am a guide. I am a mentor. I'm a friend. I am 
an independent mid-40s explorer of the universe. I am love and light when I choose to be and can be dark and mad when I'm out of balance. I am learning how to be <clears throat> learning how to be true to myself and I am still learning how to be me. What I love, I love love. I love all things love. I'm just so excited to like say that out loud anymore because I think I've fought it for so long, but I love mm -hmm. all the things that are love. And it's not the definition of, it's a definition of every kind of love. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I love love and my life is full of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky. I love positive um, energy. I love music. I love dancing. I love writing. I love reading. I love words. I love great conversation. I love connection. I love the opportunity to witness connection. I love lots of food things, particularly pastries and peanut M&Ms and a really good cab. I love my camera. I love my crappy Chevy Equinox. I love nature. I love being able to share and encourage other people to share. Mm -hmm. What do I need? I need more support than I admit. Mm -hmm. I need balance. I need help with things that are hard for me to ask for. Today I wrote down all this morning early in meditation. I wrote down all the places I'm stuck. And next to that, a column who can help. And the column who can help is blank. Oh man! <laughs> but boy, there's a whole long list of where I'm stuck. Um, I need to be more thoughtful about asking for help and be more intentional about that. Um, I need the opportunity to honor my soul, body, mind, and self. Mm -hmm. I need the opportunity to feel heard. I need to have my questions answered. I need to have the opportunity to speak and to listen. And I need to be able to use my voice. Mm -hmm. I also need solid sleep, great run, time, time in nature, time in connection and time to myself. Mm -hmm. And the best way for me to be recognized, this is a hard one for me because I think I think sometimes I know where I've, where I've been helpful, where I've been successful, where I've been positive energy and light to someone. But sometimes I need to hear it more than once. Mm. So I like to tell people in my life that they've made a difference in my life a hundred thousand times. I like to tell people in my life that they matter, that I see them for the good. I recently wrote down <clears throat> all the things that I loved about someone. There were a thousand things, but I just listed what I could list in the space of paper. And that to me is such a gift because I feel those things. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes I need to know too the ways that, that I contribute. Mm -hmm. So how to best recognize me, um, I think sometimes people think I know, but I don't. Mm. The way you recognized me on the podcast, it was unexpected. I will never forget it. Mm. I'll never forget it. And did I know those things? Maybe. Have you told me lots of times? Yes. Mm -hmm. But it was in the moment and the way that you told me that was, you know, I love surprises. Mm -hmm. But it was the best kind of surprise. Mm. It was the best kind of surprise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yay. Now that give you enough time? Um, 
Well, I was going to pause and strengths about you first. Um, okay, so, perfect. Okay, okay, that's my plan. Um, okay, well, um, input throughout, obviously. Um, questions needing to be answered. Um, information, gather a seeker, right? Using the, the, that kind of language about yourself. Um, I do want to note, which I think it's probably your woo, probably your empathy. Um, you defined yourself by your roles. You defined yourself first in your role specifically in relationship to other people, right? And so I, yeah, I thought that was for sure woo, but also I was trying to think of what maybe, maybe that, um, maybe input, maybe strategic input, strategic blend that said, how do I best define all of who I am? Well, it's in these um, definitions that other people help create, right? Communication, um, things like that. So I was like, I was wondering how that's such a broad question and I feel like I answered these questions in the very first strengths day that we did, but because usually we facilitate this, I don't know that I've spent the time answering these questions in a very long time. And so the question, who are you, is very broad and scary, and that's why I wanted you to go first. And so, because I wanted to cater my approach to how you responded. And I don't know that I thought of roles to, to define oneself by the roles that you carry um, and the roles that you hold, but that's the first thing you said is I'm a mom, right? Um, the very first thing you did is to find yourself in relation to other people, um, the most important people in your life. And so, um, yeah, anyway, so I'm going to point that out. Um, I that want... could be very much related to moment, season, and stage. So I'm mm-hmm. walking sure. into this space of the first Mother's Day without being with my children ever. Yeah. yeah. And I am I am beginning, like, how to prepare for this emotionally. Mm-hmm. I'm starting, sure. starting today. Yeah. Also, we, as a family, have been going through some tougher stuff, um, mm-hmm. siblings. And Friday, we facilitated a, a sister's call where my baby sister often recognizes me as the matriarch and the mom mm-hmm. and how close we all are. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really fresh in my, in my moment, but also in my season because... I'm away from all of them. Sure, sure, yeah. And that's so, really, really different. And good to note, yeah, and very not what you're used to. Yeah, so that makes sense, um, that that would be the first one, but then you continued more so mm-hmm. than just that, to define you and your yes. roles, yep. um, formally yes. and informally. Um, I mean, your, um, I mean, communication came out through all of it, right? Um, but also I wanted to note your connectedness, as I always do. So I am light and love, and then... Um, which I want to contrast, and then you contrasted that with dark, um, which that's a strategic thing, right? Black and white, um, yes and no, this path, path A, path B, option A, option B. Um, so that's communication, strategic, um, connectedness. Connectedness mainly in the fact that you said when I'm out of balance. So there's a recognition and an acknowledgement of when you sink down into dark and you can't function in light um, and love. Um your empathy that's like I love love right like that's like I feel like that's such a like because you know I think what what kind of feelings love brings for you and for other people right so I would probably tie that to your empathy um primarily but a lot of your other strengths um and so yeah I feel like so many all of your themes I mean your positivity came out through it um we don't always spot a whole lot but that's nine for you I believe nine mm-hmm, or ten mm-hmm. nine I think yep. um yeah so many of your strengths came out um so anyway just had to pause to spot for a bit beautiful mm-hmm. any generational recognition um surely yes but I think I think you represent uniquely gen xers because of this willingness to start over. Like you've started yeah. over a lot. You've had Genesis a lot in your life, right? And and so I think you, while in some ways you're characteristically Gen Xer, right? I think in a lot of ways you really are not. Um, and, so, and so I think that's a little hard, right? Because so much of what you talked about was growth mindset based, right? Like I'm a seeker, I'm an adventurer. Um, I'm learning this and learning that, right? I'm growing in this and growing in that. And I think that, um, 
Yeah, there's, I think there's a lot, it, there's a really different perspective, right? Um, and I think we, we talk a lot and we spot generational generations a lot, right, in our conversation, but I think we don't give enough credence to how both of us diverge from our generation, right? Yes. I, I do that for millennial too, right? In some ways, I'm very characteristically a millennial, but I'm also in some ways a boomer in my mindset, right, sometimes. Yeah, right? and like, Gen Z too. Old soul, yeah, yeah, so Gen Z, right, absolutely. So, um, so I think in a lot of what you described, it was actually descriptions of the way that you diverged from your generation um, in a lot of the things that you named rather than how it was characteristic of your generation. So we've been, as a, as a friend group, we've been talking about this quite extensively um, in regard to how we were parented. Mm-hmm. And I can grant, I grant my mom a lot of grace because she didn't know any better. But we have talked about, is that, does our generation then say, well, we do not want this to happen for our kids. So we want to be able to recreate. So when you're talking about red tent, we had a whole dialogue this weekend about how our mothers did not talk to us. Mm, Sure. And, and there's an openness now Mm -hmm. that I've been, I have an openness with my children that I know more than I would ever care to know from them, but I didn't have that growing up. So do we, I think there's a level of what we learn from absolutely. the previous generation and, and even, yeah, yes, absolutely. 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 Right. That's of every generation. Right. And that's why one must understand the preceding generation and and the conditions, not only historically, culturally, socially at that time, but then how that dictated behavior and consequently how the subsequent generation. Right. Is reacting against that behavior and their valuing of it. And so it's like um, very similar to my mentor professor from Creighton, Dr. Danielson, talks about how sociology is just one big conversation. You enter into it and you have a conversation with theorists who had conversations with everyone that you can date back all the way back to Marx, Weber, and Durkheim, right? The fathers of sociology. And everybody is in some way having a conversation with the work that they started, right? That's the same thing, the same idea, right, and concept with generations is that all of the generational behaviors are one, a reaction against or a confirmation of the previous generation's work mixed and combined with what was happening at that time, right? Mm-hmm. The time they came of age, the time they became parents for the first time, the time they entered into the education system, right? And all of these things informing choices in also conjunction with how they're reacting to or responding to the preceding generation. Right. And so back to love, knowing that gives me space to grant forgiveness. Mm. So for me, Forgiveness is one of my superpowers and that when I talk about, I love, love, I am love, I am light. Forgiveness is something that I think comes from understanding exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. that I, I have more power to forgive. And sometimes I, I get a, I get chastised for that, yeah. that I'm too forgiving and too understanding, but I believe that everyone is coming into their space with their own level of trauma their own level of life experience, their own level of what they received or did not receive. And that gives me the power to grant grace. Mm -hmm. And I think that these conversations that we have about generational differences have given me even more power for forgiveness and grace. Okay. It's your turn. Okay. Are you ready? I'll ask you the questions. Okay. Okay. I have them written down. Okay. Okay. Yep. I also do know them. Who are you? What do you love? What do you need? What's the best type of recognition you can receive? <laughs> don't Sorry. Content. I've got everything written on cards. I know. Somebody, I do need to string about myself because at, during our generational dance time, I knew almost every song that was played, regardless of the generation. And I knew all of the words to it. And someone was like, we talked about strings earlier already in the weekend, right? But someone was like, Tess, how do you know all of the worst of these songs? These aren't songs in your generation. And so I was like, okay, well, I lead with the number and strength of context, which means once I hear a song once or twice, blended with my strategic, there's patterns to songs, there's predictable words and phrases. And once I hear it once, generally, I'll be able to repeat it again, right? Um, and so anyway, people were Well, music, music is literature. <laughs> yeah. Music is literature and it's you are an avid reader mm-hmm. and you remember what you read, you retain what you read. Yep. Yep. But also, did you note where everybody had left their keys too? Yeah, almost certainly. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. You knew where everyone had. And I yes, and <laughs> there was one point in time where my aunt moved my bag. And I knew my bag was there. I knew where I had left it. And I didn't even look anywhere else. Like, I didn't look where I was sleeping. I didn't look in the kitchen. I knew that is where I left my bag. So I stood there and I looked at the spot <laughs> for several minutes. before my Wishing aunt, it back? Before, yeah, Wishing I, it would come back? I was back. like, this is where I left it. I don't even need to go into the rest of this huge house or all the porches or whatever, right? Looking for this bag because this is where I left my bag. She comes around the corner and she notices me and she's like, yeah, Tess, what's up? And I said, I left my bag here. And it's green. It's just like, oh, 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 I, I, out of habit, I just put things in the closet and I shut the closet door. And so I think out of habit, I just put it away in the closet, you know, and all these other people's purses are here. So I'm like, who came into the bluffs of Winona, Minnesota, saw an open door with red streamers, decided to poke their heads in and steal just one bag? I mean, my car is unlocked in the driveway, for goodness sakes. You didn't steal my car, but you stole my bag, right? But no, she had placed it in. But I didn't even go look anywhere else because I knew I had left my bag there. And so it's just like one of those things where like, if you lose something, generally you're going to go look other places or go. And it was like in that moment, I was like, oh, if Allie saw me, she would be laughing because this is so my context. Like I did not it even need is. to look anywhere because that is where I left my bag and it was not there. So someone else put it somewhere because that's where I <laughs> left it, even though it wasn't the most logical place. It wasn't where it was going to be long-term, but I had not moved it to its long-term place yet. And so anyway, who is going to help me find my keys in the future? That's a good question. Have you seen the new little Apple thingies that you can get that it's a little round Apple? Is it like a GPS thing? Yeah. Yeah, and you can yeah. stick it on your keys. Yeah. yeah, they've had that. I got that for my dad, the older older version. Now Apple has a version, but Tile. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tile, but yeah, that's, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So that's it. Um, I got it for my dad like years ago. It's a little square that you can add on a keychain. You can put it on your keys. There's a wallet size one you can stick in your wallet, and it all like ties back. Or if you have another one, you can press your other one and it'll ring the other ones so if it's nearby you can hear it right i'm in such small space that you cannot believe how many things i lose and keys most of the time not surprised not surprised anyway okay okay, are you ready yes who am i um anyway long divergence from the fact that i knew what the questions were um we do this well (laughs) um so how I was going to respond before you responded with your roles was, my name is Tess Elizabeth Starman. That's who I am. Um, I, yeah, like descriptors, right? That's what I thought initially, not my roles, right? I'm Tess Elizabeth Starman. I was born in Owatonna, Minnesota. I currently reside in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm 27 years of age. I am a... Um, I work for a teammates mentoring program where I serve as the research coordinator. I am graduating with my master's degree next week. And, um, you know, all of those things, right? Like that's initially, yeah. So I guess roles would be researcher, um, questioner, advocate, seeker, friend, daughter, coworker, podcaster. Sad you didn't notice that. Note that, Allie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that is who I am. What I love, I love deep, meaningful conversation. I love efforts that bring equity and justice and restoration to people's lives, to systems, to our society. I love to travel and experience life in different places, in different spaces, in different contexts. I love to read and expand my mind and my horizons. Um, I love to, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think where my brain went. Um, I can string spot my lower communication than you. Um, I'm trying to think, create these categories in my mind. Um, of what I have not tackled that I love. I love aesthetically pleasing spaces and places. I love environments that um, are comfortable and um, yeah, pleasing to the eye and have a kind of essence to them. I love taking risks and I love challenging things. I love being unafraid of 
rocking the boat and standing up for someone or something, even when it might not seem like the best idea or the safest idea for me. Um, So yeah, what I need as a result is space, place, and situations that allow for all of that to happen. Places where spaces where I have rapport and respect and understanding so that when I do those things that I love to do, it's not seen as a negative thing, you know, sometimes is still, but, um, but seen as the best of me, how you get the best of me. Um, I need time most of the time I need time to process and to think and to journal and to reflect and I don't nearly have enough of it Um, I need people who know me and who get me to my core Um, I need people in my life who like to talk about complex topics and like to dialogue and like to disagree and don't see disagreement as friction or discord but see disagreement as vitality and energy and opportunity for growth um the best way to recognize me i'm learning this and this podcast has helped me learn this our conversations um quality time is my number one love language and so Mm. when people are too busy for me or people choose other things or other people over me that's you know So the best way to recognize me is to spend time um, with me, carve out time, Um, as well as I'm acknowledging more and more because I think we all have biases against this form of love language of gift giving. And I'm realizing more and more that that's out of that individualization. Giving me the perfect gift makes, it isn't about the gift. It's about an acknowledgement that you really know me. Um, that that I'm known and loved in my knownness and um, yeah so I as much as I love words of affirmation I love cards I love words um, the perfect gift for me says a whole lot more than anything words could say because it is truly a communicating that one knows me which speaking of which sidebar from answering these questions I still have not found out who sent me that candle so if anyone that's listening I I put this out on social media I've put this out on every platform I have I've reached out to any but anyone I can think of if anyone sent me a candle in the mail that smells like a that's from smell-o-vision um the euphoric tree fort and is burnt firewood sent it please stand up and be recognized because i still have no idea who sent that to me but anyway so will the real will the real gift giver please stand up please Please stand up i think it probably has something to do with this podcast we've that's something that's something that we should do in our next episode is recognize the gifts that we have received as a result of this podcast Mm -hmm. there's some great ones do you remember the hate Ashbury mm-hmm. mug that I received? Mm-hmm. Just recently got a tambourine book. Same gifter, Bob Arp, who gifted us with the name of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got to strength spot you. And I also mm-hmm. want to spot a couple other superpowers that I'm noting here. You are referring to your Enneagram as loud as I've ever heard you refer to it. And you know I know very little about the Enneagram. Yeah. And you are referring to it. Mm-hmm. In many ways. So I hear that the teaching that you do about the Enneagram coming out, but also Mm -hmm. the forever learning, which obviously you're a learner. I love that you have even statistics in the who are you. Like there's some numbers in there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. And, And your context is very easy to spot. I think all of our listeners hear that. But what I love is that when you hear Tess speak to what she loves and who she is, it's serving the greater good. It is never self-serving. It is always about serving the greater good. You have an acceptance of all, but such a deep spirit of how to turn acceptance into a verb Mm. and making it an action that I think a lot of us 
don't have that superpower or bravery. I heard you say I create categories in my mind to remember these questions. I think that is very, that is unique to you. I'm a strategic context blend, as you were describing standing in the space of where your bag was, but you do create these categories in your mind, which I think, where's an election for you? Eight. I heard that. And then I love the space in place and holding space. Your relator shows up. Your relator shows up in really beautiful ways about trust and trusted space and what it's like to be able to have meaningful dialogue, but it, it has to be in trusted, trusted space. Um, I think acknowledging the love languages is really important here too. And quality time, because it speaks to your relator, but it also speaks to your individualization Mm -hmm. because you are a gifter of time that way, as well as an amazing gifter, but to know and be known Mm -hmm. is really um, a beautiful way to speak to the greatest human need being heard. The next level of that Mm -hmm. is to know and be known. Strengths language and your teaching of the strengths language as I watched you beautifully craft 34 themes and wrap that up this past week. You've taken the greatest human need of being heard and take it to the next level of being understood Mm -hmm. for your strengths to know and be known. I had a conversation recently with a, imagine this, a stranger, and he was giving me unsolicited dating advice. And actually, I may have said, go ahead. He said he was a dating coach. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I said, go ahead. Well, let's talk about this. Okay. So he, he kind of fired back a few things, and he and I had a conversation that everyone wants to be seen, heard, and valued. I mean, I said, wow, someone pay you for that? Um, I mean, that's, but that's, <laughs> that's a, those are the basics. Mm-hmm. Seen, okay. heard, okay. valued. And when we have these conversations, when we have conversations with anyone, and I've witnessed you do this over the years many times, not just in podcast space, in any space, you take it from being heard to really being known. And I think that speaks to your high individualization, but also the context. Mm -hmm. You, I remember distinctly Tess when we were driving through Hebron once and you were so excited to see the house on the corner. Yeah. The house on the corner where my kids grew up. You were so excited to see the newspaper office to meet Mike. You were just, Oh my gosh. You wanted so much clicked into place when I met Mike. Yeah. You wanted, (laughs) you wanted to have a framework Mm -hmm. of my life that made me feel seen, Mm. heard, valued, known because you'd heard all these stories, Mm -hmm. but then it's like you could see them come alive. Absolutely. Cruising down Maine. I got to see the, I got to see Maine. You got to see Maine. You got to see where the newspaper office was. And there's Lauren and Sean's dad standing there waiting for us and gives you a tour around the newspaper office. Yeah. That was a great, great example, I think, of Mm -hmm. how your individualization relator content, I mean, so many, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, all 34 of your themes, but how you honor the know and being known. Mm -hmm. Generationally, you're an old soul, but I'm going to spot this Enneagram language is millennial. Millennials have brought this back to light. It's kind of like now everybody's into crystals and Oracle cards and stuff. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Now it's cool. I've been doing this for a long time, but I think Enneagram has been around for a long time. Your generation has made it yeah. um, important again. Mm-hmm. useful, yeah. um, different thoughts about it, yeah. cautious with it because you don't want to be associated with a bad teacher. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of those. And, uh-huh. <laughs> so I, a little bit there, I would say, and then, um, mm-hmm. the essence and aesthetics. I, I'm curious about that generationally. 
it I is. believe that there are a lot of you in the millennial age range that have such more of a care mm-hmm. about your your surroundings Absolutely. and how Absolutely. aesthetically. Yep. And that actually, to right, that comes from my adaptability. That's a characteristic of adaptability. Um, but also my generation has higher frequency of adaptability adaptability generations um and so with helicopter parenting with gen xers as our parents um and how they parented for the most part um a lot of us learned to have high adaptability as a result and reaction against that so um it tends to be a little bit more prevalent for us that theme and that theme really is is around that concept Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beautifully stated thank you no, I have lower was... communication. <laughs> there were a few times where I had to get my <laughs> thoughts to catch up to my words, right? And um, I did a mini coaching session with my aunt this weekend. Who knows? A lot of my aunts know their top five strengths. And um, one of them really loves it and is kind of all about it. And she um, asked me to do a kind of a mini session for her. And she has high communication. And I said, people, you know, you, you love words, you're great with words, you love to write, like, and all these things I know about her. But I said, unless you don't have it, you don't really realize it. And you don't really realize it unless someone stumbles over it and you can recognize it, right? And it's not that, you know, I, I can effectively communicate, right? But the characteristic element of communication is that you can translate your thoughts into words easily. It takes me time and intention, it takes my communication, or it takes my context, it takes my learner, it takes my intellection, it takes my ideation, all of those blended to pick the right word for the right space in terms of what am I, what in essence am I really trying to get across to the person that's listening to me, right? Do you think that's why you don't listen back? Probably in part, yeah. I beat myself up number one, but yeah, mostly actually, Actually, yeah, because most of the time it's I beat myself up because I didn't say the right thing in the right way or I didn't effectively communicate that. I didn't pronounce that word correctly. I didn't. That wasn't exactly what I intended to say. Like in my head, I thought I was saying something different than what came out. Yeah, for sure. So just so we're clear, Mm -hmm. you are always saying the right thing here. Whether you believe that or not. That's a connectedness thing, right? That's like, whatever you say is the right thing. But like, you're not in my brain, Allie. So you don't know. No, I know. I know. Like, yes, it may be right. But for me. For you. Okay. For me to be in conversation with you, you are always saying the right thing. This is very trusted, safe space that we broadcast to how many people now? No, too many. We when you, want, when you, want to say. right. We don't talk. I don't go to those numbers. So no, you don't you listen don't back. I don't want to know about any, <laughs> no. right. I don't ever want to know about them, but I do know people who are listening mm-hmm. and I hear from you that people are listening yeah. and it startles me, and but it's my hope that everybody who listens in will take questions like this and understand, wouldn't that be a meaning conversation, mm-hmm. a meaningful conversation to have with someone I love and care about or someone I work with or my kids or my friends or my family members, because what I want you to know is that the space you create Mm -hmm. always makes me feel seen and known and heard here. And I'm grateful for that. I I love that. And I I acknowledge that. And I thank you for sharing that. I do want to create a distinction though, because for me, my lower communication, which it's it's mid-level, it's 17 for me, so it's right in the middle. Um, but in talking about this, beating myself for myself up for not saying the right thing is not about how it lands with you at all. No. And that might be your perception. It's about whether or not it matches what I'm thinking. And, you know, saying that you always say the right thing or it's what you need to hear is wonderful. And that's what I hope. And that's what these conversations are for. But my beating myself up about what I say or what I don't say is not about how it lands with you. As much as I do want it to land well with you. as much as Because communication is yeah, high for me. It's high for you, right? Yeah. And it's not high for you. And it's kind of a great reminder as to what Don Clifton intended for all of this language to be is a recognition that it takes more energy for you it does. to find communication 
-hmm. where it does not take as much energy for me to find and accept and acknowledge and be grateful for communication. But the piece that I don't, that I want to change the narrative around is the beating yourself up for, because if I was saying to you, gosh, I just wish that I could remember where my keys were and beating myself up over that, you would say, Allie, that, that does not come natural to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's okay. So yes, beating myself up is how I would put it, right? But it's this inner dialogue and inner narrative, right? Which also is an inner critic, right? But that also needs to be rewritten because you're right. It's not, it naturally has the propensity to be critical or negative and it results in me beating myself up when in actuality, it's just the fact that, yeah, it's the entire model of strengths, right? It's, I don't have it in my top five, in my top 10. So it's not this default mode for me. I can do it. It just takes more intention and more work. But what I really like about this is when people, you know, when I went around when my top 10 was going to be revealed, you know, a year after working for teammates or so, and I asked people, right? So classic researcher in me, Allie was like, what do you think your top 10 is? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me like take a poll. And so I walked around everybody in the office and I asked them what they thought my top 10 was. And the most, like my six through 10, the most frequent response was communication. Um, And that was one of the most surprising to me because I thought I am a fairly effective communicator. I like words. I like to learn about all of these things. I like to be able to use just the right word in just the right way um, to let it, what I'm saying land well. Um, And so for it to be 17, I was kind of surprised. And it really came back to my recognition that my curiosity about that is more so driven by my learner individualization blend, right? That wants Mm -hmm. to be able to find the right word in the right space so it does land well with someone else, which that's not the definition of communication, right? Communication is translating effectively your thoughts into words, right? There's a little bit of a slower pace for me in that translation, but what I output, right, what you see on the outside is that learner individualization blend most prominently, strategic thrown in there, intellection thrown in there, ideation that's like, okay, all my regular words don't quite fit. Let me see if I can find a different one that I don't normally use that seems to fit, right? Like that being thrown in there, number seven. So yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different blend, but it can make me seem like someone that has high communication. I'm an effective communicator, but it's because I use blends of other themes that allow mm-hmm. me to, to have that semblance of having high communication, right? Which is yet another really great pillar of the whole model of strengths, right? Is that our lesser talents or strengths that we don't have high in our dominant themes? Um, It doesn't mean we just don't have that, right? It doesn't mean we say, well, I just can't do that because I don't have it high. We find great complementary partners and you're a great communicator, complementary partner for me that has it very high. But also I can find what I need by intentionally pairing my other themes Mm -hmm. and recognizing that as a learner in election. Blend blend right ideation blend input number 10 blend right like all of these other themes that I have high that can help me to to get at what I might be lacking in my dominant themes so on that note before we wrap up I have one more question and I'll get to it I have to lead to it a little bit here so when I'm thinking about all of the leaders all of these amazing companies organizations colleges universities post-secondary educational institutions school districts parents, all of these 30 million plus, right? Mm -hmm. 30 million plus Mm -hmm. who have invested in strengths. Why do you think some people won't take it? And here's the reason I ask you that. When you had that conversation with your, you say aunt, I say aunt or auntie. When you had that conversation with your auntie and she, obviously she has a willingness to learn about this. Mm -hmm. I have gifted strengths to people in my life who have never taken it. And I, so here's where I beat myself up because of my communication. I think, have I not explained this and the power of this well enough? Have I not modeled well enough that this is life changing? Why the resistance to it or why haven't you taken advantage of it? This morning I had a conversation with Sean and I said, can you fit me in? I kind of you know, I need some help. Focus is just off right now for me. You know, can you fit me in? And he had, we had just kind of a lovely conversation. It's kind of, I know that I can lean in on you anytime I need to like, help me understand this, where this is out of balance. 
this conversation is essentially strengths coaching all the time. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious as to how, how do you feel when someone says, oh, no, thanks. Mm -hmm. Or one of my aunts this past weekend was like that. I mean, it wasn't everyone else's curious, interested. One of my cousins hasn't taken it yet. So I said, I'll get you resources and information on how to take it. Um, but then one of my aunts said, Oh, all those personality tests are just the same. I take one every year as a teacher and we just, you know, you know, and so I'm trying to explain, like, not like, ah, pull the, you pull your mom dagger out, pull my strengths advocate dagger out. Right. (laughs) And like, Oh, that's not actually right. And so I'm talking and I'm explaining this to her and I just, it doesn't even seem like she's listening. Right. Like it's, you know, and I'm like, it's one of those things where I can't, at least for me, I can't take it personally. Right. I can't take it as and that happened with someone else who is very respected and known in the in the research field in in the Omaha area. And she said the same thing to me. She was like, oh, I can rig that easily. Right. I can answer whatever you want me to answer. What kind of person do you want me to be? And I'll answer that way. And I said, that's not the point. Right. Why would you do that? I know. Right. Um, But yeah, that's that's kind of the the yeah, the whole mentality. And so for for me, I mean, and we talk about this a lot, you can't ever convince someone to do something that they don't want to do, right? And that's contrary to the point of strengths, right? If you say you have to do this, or I really would need to know this about you, right? It's going to create implicit and explicit bias in their results. And so why would you want that? And so for me, I very much okay with people that don't because in the end they're not going to it's not going to breed the honest conversation the depth of conversation the understanding of one another right if they're not even willing to hear about the framework what says they're willing to hear about their own strengths much less mine so they they know they can relate to me well and so that's for me it's not worth my time and energy at all and I don't know what that is about me or about my strength set that makes me say well, if that's what you think about this, if you're not even willing to listen and understand how it's different than something like a colors test, right? Or whatever it is, you know, your disc assessment results, right? Whatever you want to say, you're not even willing to learn and understand why it's different, how it's different, how it's meaningful, then it's not worth the time and energy because you're not going to trust your results. You're not going to do anything with it and you're not going to want to hear about mine. Great response. Mm. I needed that. Thank very, you. Very, uh, very disengaged from it or very much um, apathetic towards people in that space because just like any relationship, right? I say this when I do relate or do not relationship coaching, do strengths coaching with people and they're struggling with relationships in their lives, right? Co-working relationship, friends, anything, right? Um, your, and this is maybe my ability to be, have a total relativistic mindset of everything, but your gauge, if you're feeling disappointed or your expectations are let down by the people in your life, right? Um, your thought should always be what sort of investment are they making contrary to the investment that I'm making, right? If they valued that, right? Your priorities are directly reflected by how you spend your time, energy, and money, right? We learn that from David Shapiro. Says that all the yes. time, right? Your priorities are directly reflected in those things in your life. And so you can see if you're not a priority for the people in your life based on how they spend their time and their energy, right? And their money, right? Or however you want to define that, right? And so if you're let down by someone, if you're frustrated that you feel like you're putting more into a friendship, a relationship, whatever, co-working, partnership, um, then they are, value that, evaluate that, right? And if they don't match, if you're constantly, if it's a one-way thing, you're constantly reaching out, that's not a relationship. By definition, relationships are two-way streets, right? And so you are should be seeing some sort of investment or energy or effort from the other person, right? And so, and and that will help you be a good, it'll be a good litmus test or it'll serve as that as to whether or not that's something you should continue to invest in depending on their level of investment. So. Speaking directly to my soul and you have no idea. I can tell by did your not. face. I'm like, oh, I'm yes. jumping into something I did not know what was happening, apparently. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ooh. Anyway, Trying anyway. to get centered so that I can yeah. use my words. Yes, but the same thing is true for strengths, right? 
if that person isn't even willing to listen and hear about it, they're not, it's not going to be a reciprocal relationship. They're not going to be willing to maybe even find 40 minutes of time, 30 to 40 minutes to take it, much less be honest and undistracted and undivided because they don't understand the value in it, which means they're not going to name claim aim successfully. They're not going to understand complementary partnership successfully. They're not going to hear about your strengths and honor those and spot them in you. So for me, I'm apathetic from the beginning. If they don't have one question to ask me about it, if their statement is just a aloof response, oh, I take, I've taken so many personality tests, they're all the same. That was the, that was the exact language that my one of my aunts gave. And I was like, okay, clearly we are not on the same page and I'm not even gonna warrant a response to that. So I'm going to respond to all of the other aunts looking at me, all my cousins curious about what this means um, and, and willing to ask questions and to learn and to reflect meaningfully. And curiosity is how we show. Interest. No, known, seen, mm-hmm. heard, all of those things. Yes, it's how we show interest. Or, Beautiful test. Or by being present, right? I think that's an input bias. Yes. Because and your quality we, time is showing up right here. With, time, yes, yes. Yes. Because curiosity, people aren't. Because mine going, is words of affirmation. Uh huh. Uh huh. And people always aren't aren't always going to ask a question. Aren't always going to look curious based on their body language right but by showing up by thinking about it by maybe bringing Mm -hmm. it up in a topic of conversation later those could also be clues that they're interested right i think that your input and not being able to ever shed input says that interest looks like questions and that's not always the case right i know yeah but my heart says so i know (laughs) i know right yeah for me remembering something meaningful in my life, remembering, you know, that matters and that's known and being known, right? But people don't always do that. People don't have as good of a memory or don't chart those things in their file cabinet of their brain like I do per se. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Anyway, oh man, oh man. Questions though to our listeners. Who are you? What do you love? What do you need? And what's the best way to recognize you right now? What's the best form of recognition you could ever receive? at this moment in time. Those are our follow-ups for today. Love to hear, very excited, but that's all. So thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 84 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share your responses to the questions we posed in this episode, give us a follow on Instagram, at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Starman and may not reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program at large. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.